Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Please be seated. We continue with our teaching series on the faith of the Nicene Creed, a faith revealed by God to his people. And today we are looking at part two of the resurrection of the dead, something you're sure to get a rise out of. In the name of the Father, no. Firstly, what is the doctrine of the body? I wish to review very briefly from last week. The body is holy. The body is part of who we are. It is not something simply to be discarded. We are not souls that are incarnate in a body, but rather we are a body-soul creation. And God then breathes his spirit into us, animating the body and the soul, giving life to the body and the soul. And so we are a body-soul creation, and our bodies are holy. They are part of who we are. They are created by God the Father out of love and in his image and in his likeness. And when we had sinned, when we had turned from God and embraced sin and welcomed death into God's creation, God did not abandon us to sin and death, but rather sent his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save us, body and soul. You may remember that I said it's not like it's a draw between God and the devil. The devil says, well, okay, you went through a lot descending from heaven and dying on the cross and all. You get the souls, but I get the bodies. No, Jesus will not compromise with evil. Jesus does not compromise with death. Jesus does not compromise with sin. Jesus Christ has the victory. And so we are saved. We who have been formed and molded by God the Father and created out of his love and his image and likeness, we are saved. And our bodies as well as our souls have been baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 6, that if we died with him, we shall also rise with him. And our bodies, as well as our souls, have been nourished with the life-giving body and blood of Jesus. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 6, that he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, and I shall raise him up on the last day. So our bodies are holy, created by God the Father out of love in his image and likeness. Our bodies as well as our souls have been baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Our bodies as well as our souls have received his life-giving body and blood. And the Holy Scriptures tell us that our bodies are also temples of the Holy Spirit, which is why I have built him a cathedral. Thank you, John, Deacon John. <laughs> Our bodies are therefore holy. Death shall not have the final word over them. They shall be raised on the last day when Jesus comes 
and glory. Which leads us to what exactly is the doctrine of the resurrection? Christians believe, because it has been revealed by God, that on the last day, when the Lord returns in glory, that we shall be raised in a resurrection like his. That we shall be raised. Our bodies shall come forth from the graves and shall be reunited with our souls. And we shall be glorified and resurrected as he is. As he is, so we shall be. As he is, so we shall be. And we will be raised in victory, the victory of Christ Jesus. And death will have no dominion over us. And we shall live with Jesus in his kingdom forever. Forever. Jesus is the first to be raised. Now, it's important to understand that there's a difference between resuscitation and resurrection. Sadly, in many Bibles, when Jesus calls forth Lazarus from the grave, the heading will be the resurrection of Lazarus. It actually isn't a resurrection as much as it is a resuscitation by the power and word of God. Jesus called forth Lazarus from the grave to live his life as he did prior to his death. That is, Lazarus still was subject to sin, suffering, and death. He wasn't glorified as Jesus was to be glorified, though to be sure, this is a foreshadowing of the resurrection of the dead. And what does Jesus say to the people that are there when Lazarus comes forth? He comes forth wrapped in the, the, uh, the cloths. And Jesus says, Unbind him and let him go. And so there shall be a day when Jesus comes in glory and he shall call us forth from the grave. And we, our souls shall be reunited with our bodies and we shall be resurrected and glorified as he is. That as he is, so shall we be. And Jesus will say to the angels of God, unbind them and let them go. And death will no longer hold us. Jesus Christ, who is the word of God, is the final word in this world. He has the king keys of death and Hades. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. There will be a day when the kingdom of darkness is cast into the lake of fire and shall be no more. There shall be a day when death, which in one sense is already conquered by God in the person of Jesus confronting sin, suffering, and death himself on the cross, it will be brought to full fruition on the last day, and the reign of death shall be no more. There's only one kingdom that shall last forever. And it's not Elvis's. Although it came close. <laughs> 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 
It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Jesus is the first to be raised from 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 26. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits. So Jesus is first to be raised, and in his resurrection, in one sense, all of us who are in him have been called already from the grave. And we will see this come to full fruition at his second coming. But Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, that is, those who have died. For as by a man came death, that is, through the first Adam. Adam is a Hebrew word meaning mankind. So as the first man, Adam, who came from the earth, Adama in the Hebrew, introduced death into the world. So the second Adam, the new man, Jesus Christ, has brought us life, salvation, and resurrection. The first Adam introduced a kingdom that shall die, death itself. It shall come to an end. The second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, brings a kingdom of which there will be no end. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, it says again. Then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when Christ delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. That is, the rule, the, the rule and authority and power are the fallen angels of God. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so the kingdom of Jesus shall last forever, and his reign shall be forever, but death shall come to an end. What we know about the resurrection of Jesus teaches us about our own resurrection on the last day. And I must say again, it's so incredible. This just came into my, my mind and my heart. What we said about last week, so often when we receive Holy Communion, we say, yes, we are receiving Jesus in a special way. Yes, we are receiving his presence, his life. We're receiving the benefit of his death, which is victory over sin and death. We're receiving the forgiveness of our sins. But Jesus also tells us in John chapter 6 that we are receiving also a partaking in the resurrection on the last day. And so when you come today and you receive Jesus, either in your hand or on your tongue, remember that all of time is being fulfilled in that moment. All of time, including the resurrection. Ignatius of Antioch, who was Bishop of Antioch, and one of the church's earliest fathers and saints, he died in 107 A.D., referred to the Eucharist as the medicine of immortality. That is, even now, those of us who bear the disease of sin and death are receiving the cure by God's grace and by partaking in Jesus Christ in his word and in his holy sacrament. 
and we are being cured. He is the medicine of immortality. Of immortality. And so we look at the resurrection of Jesus. Firstly, in Mark 16, 4-6, the tomb is empty. And looking up, they, the women, saw the stone had been rolled away. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he, an angel, said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. So the Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified, the one who was laid in the tomb, is not there. The tomb is empty. And so we know that one day our tombs shall be empty, for we shall be raised in a resurrection like his. We will not be found among the dead, but among the living. He is not here. He is risen. Jesus also tells us that that when our bodies are raised, it is not simply, we will not be raised as ghosts. We're not going to be spirits. He says to his disciples, see that I am not a ghost, I am not a spirit, for a ghost does not have flesh and bone as I do. In Luke 24, 39, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, that is, the one who was conceived in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the one who was initiated Christian baptism in the waters of the Jordan River, the one who called forth Lazarus from the dead, the one who broke the bread and blessed the cup and shared it with them at the Last Supper, the one who carried his cross and was crucified. See that it is me. The same one is the risen one. He is risen. Touch me, he says, and see, for a ghost has not flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus also told Thomas, reach out your hand and shows them his wounds in John 20, 27. And in Luke 24, 41, one of my favorite passages, although when we are raised, we will, not be, we will not have to eat, for we will not need food to sustain our bodies, for our bodies will be resurrected and will, with Jesus Christ, and it is Jesus himself that shall sustain us forever. The good news here for me is that Jesus shows that we are able to eat. Amen. Amen. Granted, it was fish, but they eat healthy in the next life. He eats breakfast with them in Luke 24, 41. And yet we see that although it is the same body conceived of the Blessed Virgin Mary and crucified and laid in the tomb that is raised, and we see that the tomb is empty and that he is not a ghost, for a ghost has not flesh and bone as he does, 
even though it is the same body, we see that it is radically changed. He is not resurrected as Lazarus was resuscitated. <coughs> he comes forth in victory over sin, suffering, and death. Romans 6, 9, death hath no dominion over him. Death hath no authority over him. He has the authority over sin and death. The body is different. Though it is the same body that is raised, it is different. Those close to him do not recognize him, like Mary Magdalene in John 20, 16, until he calls her by name, Mary. And she turns to him and says, Rabboni, which means my dear teacher. It's reminiscent of the Old Testament passage which says, where God says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Those on the road to Emmaus do not recognize him. Though they come to know the burning presence of the risen Lord within their hearts, as he opens the word of God to them, as he opens the scriptures to them, and then they come to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And having known the risen Lord in the word and in the breaking of the bread, he then vanishes from their sight. And this is how we know the Lord. It is in the proclamation of the word within the gathering of the community and in the breaking of the bread and being nourished with Christ himself in that holy sacrament that we too encounter the risen Lord. But then he disappears from them. And so it is the same body and yet it is radically different. In John 20, verse 21, and then this happens again, though they, the disciples are hiding away behind locked doors, and yet Jesus comes into their midst and says, Peace be with you. And so it is the same body, but radically different. And so it shall be with us. Our tombs shall be empty. We will not be found among the dead, but among the living. Jesus says, I am not the God of the dead, but of the living. Our tombs shall be empty. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, David is quoted regarding Jesus, David the psalmist, and it says, I will not, He will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will he let the body of his anointed see corruption. That is, Jesus' soul was among the dead while his body laid in the tomb. And yet he came forth, body and soul. And so we shall come forth. My dear friends, this is what I have left of the sermon, and so I'm not going to do it. Don't clap. 
But I will tell you that it's found in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, where you find Paul, well, God's doctrine spoken through Paul regarding the resurrection of the body, where Paul tells us that, that what goes into the grave, it, yes, it's that body that is raised, but that that body is like a seed or a kernel to what will be. If you take the seed of a plant, when it grows, that seed becomes that plant, and indeed it is the same. And yet, how radically different the plant is from the seed itself. And so it is in the resurrection of the body. But I will end with these words. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass that saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Glory to God, who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen.